0: Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight on Primetime Politics, housing under the microscope. We now have these encampments, homeless encampments, in every centre in the country. As the Conservative leader casts doubts on the government's housing initiatives, we'll get reaction from the Housing Minister himself. Just what will the government say about the issue in tomorrow's fall economic statement? Sean Fraser is coming up. And we'll also speak with opposition MPs. What more would they like to see in tomorrow's economic update? Plus.
1: Canada punches above its weight in many respects in in the NATO relationship.
0: We'll share our conversation with the Defence Minister Bill Blair at last weekend's Halifax International Security Forum. How committed is Canada to the 2% of GDP NATO target? This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Serapio. Well, if early reports are correct, tomorrow's fall economic statement from the government will be very focused on housing. Billions of dollars in government loans reportedly for builders to construct rental units, money for affordable housing, and new mortgage rules to help protect homeowners in a financial crunch. The cost? A reported $15 billion from the Trudeau government, which the opposition leader is already throwing water on
2: today. We have a doubling of housing costs. Remember, tomorrow he will come out here and he will make billions of dollars of housing promises, just like he did eight years ago. And what will that do? It will build bureaucracy. And it will supply liberal ministers with a steady stream of phony photo ops.
0: Well, for his reaction to Pierre Poliev's words and with more on the government's housing focus, we're now joined by the Federal Housing Minister and Nova Scotia MP Sean Fraser. Minister, thank you for being with us.
2: My pleasure, as always. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, happy to have you, On Listen, uh, your reaction to Pierre Polyev, who uh, quite honestly gives your government points for fanfare, but nothing in actual accomplishments when it comes to housing. What do you say to that?
2: Uh, look, it's been fascinating to see how much time and energy he's been spending on me personally uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, the reality is, uh, I expect it's because he's seeing that we're making significant progress on the housing file and is trying to discredit the good work that's happening. Over the last number of weeks, in fact, just last week alone, uh, we announced uh, agreements uh, worth more than $4 billion with developers right across the country to provide low-cost loans that will be paid back. But we secured agreements from those developers to actually offer units and new apartments at a price below than what the market will bear Uh, this is through a program that we've been uh, using over the last couple of years to actually help address the high cost of interest that builders are now facing by providing more favorable terms in in exchange for commitments on affordability he's also been critical of the fact that we're signing agreements with municipalities that's literally changing the way that cities build homes in this country we're actually achieving more density uh, around services more density around transit we're actually achieving more modern permanent systems and faster processes to actually get buildings built. When we continue to see uh, the opposition and Mr. Polyev uh, raise concerns at the microphone when he has the opportunity, uh, he should know that we're busy doing the hard work to get more homes built across this country.
0: Okay well you know he he went on and I'm gonna read uh, this part to you because he says while we have seen a 400% increase in housing photo ops with Sean Fraser, uh, since Sean Fraser rather became housing minister, we have seen a 14% reduction in real housing Housing investment. You, you kind of listed off some of the accomplishments there, but in terms of real numbers, can you point to how much you've actually been able to, 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 to create, to, to, to aim to create as you turn this focus to affordability?
2: Well, it's fascinating because the specific measuring stick that uh, he's used in the clip that you've just uh, read out to me now... Uh, suggests that housing investment has gone down. Literally this morning, Stats Canada put out a report saying the opposite. In fact, we're seeing an increase in residential construction investment of about 7.9% this month. For multi-unit construction, it's up about 8.3%. For single-family home construction, it's up about 6.8%. The reality is the investments that we're making are starting to have an impact. But let's not pretend this started yesterday. There's nearly half a million homes uh, that have benefited either through, uh, their construction being directly financed by the federal government or renovations to affordable housing units to the tune of half a million units uh, that are actually existing and providing homes for people. Uh, we have seen many, many more uh, that uh, we've now secured agreements, either through the Housing Accelerator Fund or through the Rental Construction Financing Initiative to get more homes built. Uh, whenever we reach these agreements, you have to understand there may be a bit of a leg between uh, the ink drying and the home being open for business, but thankfully we started a number. Of years ago, and we're going to continue to see a pipeline of programs that, uh, or projects rather, that government programs have supported. I'm not interested in the political games around the issue. I'm interested in ending Canada's national housing crisis, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the results of some of the agreements that we've signed in recent weeks with cities right across the country.
0: Okay, let's walk away from some of the politics then, because, you know, if the reports are correct, and I suspect you're not going to try to confirm the reports right now, you, your government's about to unveil billions of dollars more for government backed loans to create rental housing. But if that is and has been the direction, how do you ensure that that's affordable? Because the average rent right now is $2,100 and quite frankly, as a proportion to salary, a lot of people are struggling against that.
2: A lot of people are struggling. And if we're going to find a solution for those people, we have to understand the nature of the problem. Part of the solution is going to require continued direct investments by different levels of government in affordable housing and social housing for low-income families. But we also need to make sure we're tackling the supply challenge, which is driving the prices up in cities across Canada because there is more demand than there is supply in the system. One of the things that I really like about the program that you're referring to, the Rental Construction Financing Initiative, is that it operates by providing the federal government's borrowing costs, which is lower than everybody else gets in the market, in exchange for direct commitments that they're going to make units available at market prices and below market prices. These are spelled out in binding agreements that actually form the basis of the loans that we're providing. Uh, So by addressing the supply, by securing agreements to keep the prices at and below market, at the same time we make direct investments in affordable housing, we're going to be able to grow the supply in a way that keeps prices low, but we should not ignore the fact that all supply helps. When we build a senior's apartment in collaboration, with a partner uh, and someone moves into that uh, new building we see a family home open up as they seek to downsize perhaps at the end of their career the reality is there's a cascading impact when we build more supply and we're going to have a mix of of programs that target affordable housing that provide low-cost loans in exchange for more building to get done and more broad-based measures such as eliminating the GST to grow the supply overall there's no silver bullet but if we pull every lever we have we can make a meaningful difference okay every lever
0: does that include short term property rentals because you know uh, many housing advocates say that that actually keeps uh, as you know affordable rents off of the market are you going to be cracking down on that
2: Uh, we have to make sure we're dealing with areas where we can actually deliver meaningful change. I do believe there's an opportunity for the federal government to play a role, but municipalities and provinces also do. I'll note in particular some of the measures recently advanced by the provincial government in British Columbia. My belief is that we have an opportunity to use certain features of the Canadian tax system to uh, disincentivize people from putting homes on the market and treating them as an investment or a commodity rather than a home for a family who's paying a fair price for rent. Uh, I do believe we have an opportunity in the days ahead to have movement on short-term rentals in this country but we can't go it alone Uh, but we're certainly going to be willing to do our part
0: okay i'm sorry i have about 25 seconds but i do want to squeeze this in what about tradespeople, though because you could put money there you could talk about deals for financing but without the people to build and the qualified people how you do
2: that Uh, There's three things that we need to do. Uh, We need to continue to make investments in the skilled trades. And we have been in recent years to help grow the supply of workers that have the skills we need. We need to have targeted immigration programs, including using the change we made to the express entry system to have category-based selection. So we're bringing in people who have the skills we need. But we also need to change the way that we build homes. We don't build cars the same way we did 100 years ago. We build them in factories, on assembly lines. We can do the same thing with housing. And we're looking at different ways we can incentivize factory-built homes, whether it's modular housing, panelization, mass timber, 3D printing. The tech is out there. There are challenges in the industry, but we're working closely with the sector to identify the best solutions to deliver that scale that will help us address the very real challenge when we're trying to build millions of homes. Mr. Sean Fraser, appreciate the time. Thank you for that. A pleasure, as always. Thank you.
0: Well, let's focus in more on tomorrow's fall economic statement. And joining us right now to talk about what they'd like to see in the foyer of the House of Commons, conservative finance critic Jasraj Singh Hallan and NDP House leader Peter Julian. Hello to both of you. Good to be with you. <laughs> Listen, I want to begin uh, with housing, obviously, because all parties in the House are talking about the importance of housing right now. And today, as you both know, there are reports that suggest the Liberals will be uh, rolling out tomorrow billions of dollars of government-backed loans in order to make housing possible. Uh, what's your reaction to that, Mr. Singh I'll I'll begin with you.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. Look, after eight years of this <laughs> government, housing starts today are down 14%. And actually after eight years, housing costs have doubled, rents have doubled, mortgages have doubled. It takes double the amount just to save up for a down payment on a house after eight years. This is the failed housing record of this Liberal government under Justin Trudeau. Where they spent they 've committed eighty nine billion dollars to housing only to double the costs on it seems like a failed policy to me uh, we don 't see much hope in the future since now with that we know housing starts are down as well they 're great at photo ops and you know they can get an A plus for that but photo ops don 't build houses, and neither does bureaucracy that 's why our common sense leader put forward a housing motion and a, a bill inside of parliament that that was literally that says build more homes, not more bureaucracy, which would incentivize municipalities to increase their permitting by 15% so that we can get more houses in. The more that they, the more that they build, the more they'll get. The more they don't build, if they don't build, then they will have their funding stopped.
0: Okay, I'm gonna follow up on a couple of points that you raised there, but uh, Mr. Julian, I'll get you to react first. What do you make of this uh, billion dollars worth of government-backed loans to get rental housing built in this country?
4: Uh, well, the NDP has been pushing hard on housing for one very good reason. The last 17 years, including the nine years of the, the, the Harper regime, have been absolutely disastrous for housing. The Conservatives doubled housing prices, and then the Liberals have doubled them again. And we saw Mr. Polyev and his government lose 800,000 affordable housing units. The Liberals have lost another 200,000. That's over a million affordable homes that have been lost. So what Jagmeet Singh and the NDP have been pushing for is to, to build affordable housing again. This is what we used to do before the Conservatives and Liberals wrecked the national housing program. And what it does mean is people being, being paying 30% of their income in terms of rent, rather than the $2,500, $2,600 a month rents that we're seeing for one-bedroom apartments in my area, in the lower mainland. So the Conservatives and Liberals have made a complete mess of things. The NDP has been pushing hard so that we re-establish the affordable homes that the Canadians need. And it's not luxury condos, which Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Polly have seemed to favour. It's really building affordable homes that's going to make a difference for Canadian families.
0: Okay, let's, let's build on that, Mr. Julian, because, you know, we did see Mr. Uh, Singh stand outside of a, a Toronto co-op last week as he, as he outlined what the NDP wants to have in terms of housing. But spell that out for people at home, because right now, these billions of dollars, they're actually meant to build rental housing uh, sorry rental housing does that not help Uh, building affordable homes makes a big difference. Having,
4: having that rent cap at 30% of income makes a huge difference. That, w- that's, what a we saw, that's what we saw with the co-op housing movement. That's what we saw, be, of course, with social housing across the country. When, before the national housing program was gutted, uh, what we saw was a lot of investments from the federal government in building affordable housing across the country. And, and that's why we believe that the, the federal government has that responsibility to start building again the
0: affordable housing units that Canadian families can live in. Okay, Mr. Singh-Halan, I'll get you to first and foremost react to that. What do you think of earmarking this morph towards affordable housing, not just rental housing?
3: Look, under our Common Sense Conservative Leader's plan, the plan is to build, build, build. That is the goal of this bill that we put forward. Because we've seen eight years of Justin Trudeau, enabled by the NDP, of municipalities getting money shoveled to them in the millions and billions of dollars, but there's no shovels in the ground. The Liberals came out with a national housing strategy program. Two years ago, not a single house has been built under this failed program, yet they brag about it and they do these great photo ops. It's time to stop with the photo ops and build, build, build so we can get more and more people into homes. After eight years of this liberal NDP government, nine out of ten young people say they'll never be able to afford a home or get into one. Newcomers are literally living under bridges and in their cars more and more people going into a food bank in a single month, this is the failed record after eight years of the liberal NDP government. Our common sense plan will make sure more gets built, we get more supply, and uh, by balancing the budget like we've been asking for, we can bring down the cost of mortgages and rents that have all doubled under the liberal NDP government. Okay, and, and, and what we, we
4: saw, I just want to point out that under the Conservatives, what we saw is is their emphasis is on luxury condos. They, and we saw with the Doug Ford government actually giving, feeding, uh, very wealthy developers more space, more public lands for, for luxury condos. Uh, the Conservatives don't have a plan at all. In fact, Mr. Polyev has rejected any sort of affordable housing and so the reality is conservatives have to answer for the fact that they have no plan at all on housing that, that they are half responsible for the housing crisis that we're living through uh, housing prices having doubled under the conservatives, doubled again under the liberals and, and Mr. Polyev and his government losing 800,000 affordable housing units across the country. The conservatives have never apologized for that devastation that has created the housing crisis that we see today.
0: Okay, Mr. Singh then you know we've heard Pierre Polyev talk about and uh, today alone for example talking about Uh, once again axing the tax to to make things more affordable for people. And also, as you talked about, getting the deficit under control in order to, to get the economy back in control. You know, connect the dots for people. How does that actually help people right now who are struggling to pay their mortgage, struggling to make ends meet?
3: Well, absolutely. Before I address that, I'd just like to let my my friend Peter Julian know there is a plan for housing under the Conservatives. It was literally tabled in the House of Commons. I mean, I can email it to him if he'd like. I hope he checks his email. So I mean, it's in writing, and it's inside of Parliament. I hope that they'll help us push that through so we can get more built in this country. Yes, our common sense conservative leader has three asks, and us conservatives have three asks of this fall economic statement, which sometimes just turns out to be a bunch of a false promise update. Number one. Bounce the budget so that we can bring down interest and inflation so Canadians don't lose their homes. We've seen the most rapid interest rate hikes after the 40-year highs in inflation caused by this Liberal NDP government's out-of-control spending and now Canada is most at risk in the G7 for a mortgage default crisis. So unless we balance the budget, inflation and interest can't come down. That's our first ask. Number two is help push our common sense Conservative leaders plan to build more homes and not bear more bureaucracy as I mentioned and number three like you said acts the quadrupling of the carbon tax that's going to quadruple in April of next year. Because we've seen the cost of gas, groceries, and home heating go up. We've seen the Prime Minister do a massive flip-flop on his carbon tax scam. He gave 3% of Atlantic Canadians, or 3% of Canadians in Atlantic Canada, a pause on this carbon tax, a carve-out, a temporary one at that. And that's because his poll numbers were tanking there and his MPs were revolting. We're asking for all Canadians to get a pause on all home heating across Canada, and then we should get a referendum on the next, uh, in the next election. Call a carbon tax election. Let's see what Canadians have to say about that. And how will that help Canadians today? Well, we can stop with the increase in gas, groceries, and in home heating with the carbon tax. We can help to build more homes with our plan and make sure that we can bring down interest rates so Canadians don't lose their homes. And
4: so, Conservatives okay. are missing a very important point, which and is the, point the, the carbon here, tax doesn't apply to British Columbia and Quebec. And, and the Conservatives actually said no to the NDP plan to take GST off home heating, which would have had an impact right across the country. So I don't know if, if Conservatives are just ignorant of the fact that they were, are pointing out to a solution that doesn't even hit most uh, many of the provinces, or if they knew that and just thought that they could try to slide that by Canadians. The reality is, Mr. Polyev just wants to buy luxury condos, wants to hand to w- over public lands and public buildings to rich developers, and we saw how that worked with Doug Ford, and we saw what happened in Ontario with the Greenway, it's time that we actually followed the kind of of leadership that Jagmeet Singh has been offering, where we're actually building affordable homes for people. And this is something that we used to do in the past before Conservatives and Liberals gutted the national housing program. Now it's time to get back to affordable homes, homes that people can afford, homes that are based on 30% of income, uh, not homes that are $2,500 a month uh, for a one-bedroom apartment. And uh, most
0: Canadians uh, simply don't have the resources to pay for. Well, I look forward to hear uh, what both of you have to say tomorrow once the economic statement is actually tabled. Jazraj Singh Halan and Peter Julian, thank you for this tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Time now for a quick look at the other stories making headlines today. Five MPs arrived in Jerusalem today liberals Anthony Housefather and Marco Mendicino, along with conservatives Melissa Lanceman, Marty Morantz, and Michelle Rempel Garner. The five are part of a larger group who are there to show solidarity with the Israeli people and to call for the release of more than 200 hostages taken by Hamas on October the 7th. Over the weekend, both U.S. and Qatari officials said Israel and Hamas were closing in on a deal that would see some of those hostages released in exchange for a five-day ceasefire, but no other details have been made available. Canadians are tired
2: of seeing plastic pollution in, in their neighborhood, in our streets, in our environment, uh, clogging our waterways, uh, polluting our oceans. We've all seen those images of wildlife, whether it's seabirds, turtles, uh, various forms of fish, whales caught uh, or, or, or dying because of, of plastic pollution. This has to stop
0: Here at home, the environment minister says the Trudeau government will appeal a federal court ruling that came down last week. One that quashed the order in council that declared plastic items toxic, an important definition as the Trudeau government moves to ban single-use plastics like shopping bags and plastic straws.
3: We know that the most vulnerable in our society, some of the most vulnerable, are trans kids. And we've seen conservative premiers attacking children's rights, in particular trans kids' rights, and we all need to speak out strongly against that.
0: Well, that was New Democrat MP Randall Garrison, along with trans activists and members of the NDP's 2s LGBTQI+ Caucus, gathering for today's annual Transgender Day of Remembrance. Now, back in June, Garrison tabled a white paper to protect trans rights and people in this country, and today called on the Trudeau government to adopt its recommendations as the debate over so-called parental
1: rights continue across the country. And by the end of this calendar year. Approximately half of all Madam Justice Arbour's 48 recommendations will be in, implemented.
0: Well, that is the Defence Minister, Bill Blair, restating his commitment to the Arbour report today, which made 48 recommendations to prevent and eradicate sexual harassment and misconduct in the Canadian Armed Forces. Today's update tells us where d is a year after that report was tabled, and progress says the minister is being made with work being done to adopt the outstanding recommendations, including recommendation number five. That states sexual offences should be removed from the jurisdiction of Canadian Forces and handed over to the criminal courts. Bill Blair in Ottawa today. But over the weekend, the Defence Minister was in Nova Scotia attending the 15th annual Halifax Security Forum, a gathering of democratic leaders and thinkers to address the world's most pressing security and defence issues. But for Canada, one of those issues is more internal than external, the challenge of meeting this country's 2% of GDP NATO target. Now, Canada is currently not meeting that commitment, and with tomorrow's fall economic statement, it was one issue I addressed with Bill Blair when we chatted on the sidelines of the forum.
1: I, I think if people just take a very simplistic view and look at this, this spreadsheet, you're right, we're not there yet. But, but I think, if, if and I asked them to look. We've made real progress, you know, 10 years ago, we were actually below 1% of GDP. And since we formed government, and it's it's beginning in in 2017, we began Canada's defense defense on a trajectory of new investment, increasing it by almost 70% over a six year period. But as we began that trajectory, and we've been making real progress on it, we also found that the threat environment was changing significantly 15 months ago with the invasion of, of of, of Ukraine, an increasingly concerning activity among hostile actors such as Russia and China, Iran and others, which, which is changing, I think, the demand on us. And what we've also seen since the invasion of Ukraine, that our obligations to NATO have really become front and center. Canada punches above its weight in many respects in, in the NATO relationship. Our, our contribution is really valued. But at the same time, we know we have to increase our capability so that we can deliver on our obligations. And, and so it, it, it's still an important conversation. One of the things that I'm working with my government and our, and our finance minister, the Canada's current fiscal situation is not an easy one. There are many demands for in housing and in health, but also in defense. My job for our government is to make sure that those defense requirements are well understood. And my other obligation is to make sure that when money is allocated, to defence, that we spend it well, that we invest it in in real value for Canadians, that we be able to cut through some of the red tape of procurement, that we do a better job of recruiting and retaining the right people for the Canadian Armed Forces, and that we build that real capacity. And and that's the job. And and it's, 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 it's a very significant but it's an essential undertaking. Mm-hmm.
0: Essential, as you say, is it made more difficult, though? Because, you know, you referenced the, 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 the difficult decisions that have to be made right now financially for this country. But to my understanding, the ask is a billion dollars less for d d So what no, impact is that no, going to really
1: really gonna have? What Treasury Board asked, that was not a cut to our budget. What Treasury Board asked, of all departments, and because I have the largest department, and and, and, and there's a lot of expenditure there is to make, ask us to make sure we're careful with the money that we are spending. You know, every year in the sense budget, notwithstanding we need more, we have not been successful in spending the money that we have available to us, because our procurement processes need to be streamlined and made more effective. Some of our recruiting and administrative processes, and Treasury Board asked us, and it's not on, I used to run a budget bureaucracy, as you know, Michael, and, and every once in a while I always found it useful, because you're spending taxpayer dollars to go and make sure you're spending them well. And so they've asked us to look at consulting dollars, professional service dollars, executive travel. These are all things that don't necessarily contribute to our preparedness and our defense capabilities. But, but because we're spending taxpayer dollars, the Treasury Board asks us to be careful in how we do it, and I agree completely with that. So we're going back and we're looking at how we can be more efficient, but, but that, and that doesn't in any way diminish Canada's commitment to make sure that we're also more effective and that we invest in that, that, that preparation and those capabilities that are essential and that we have to deliver. But, but they want us to make sure that we're doing it in a way which is respectful and careful. Every dollar is an investment in, in public value. And for me, that public value is the defense of Canada. Okay.
0: Let me pick up on a couple of points that you made. Sure. Uh, the, the first point had to be about where we need to improve. Where do you see that money needing to be invested in? What needs to be prioritized right now to make sure that D&D and Canadian Forces are able to respond to our international partners yeah, if and when they call upon us. We've
1: made some very significant investments already, but we've got to deliver on them. We've got a new national shipbuilding strategy. We've, we've already delivered four Arctic uh, offshore patrol uh, uh, vessels. We, we need 16 new surface combat ships. And so uh, we're just down with the Navy Yard here in, in, in the Irving Yard um, here in Halifax. The work is beginning there, and they're creating a great workforce of Canadian workers to build those ships. We've committed $38.6 billion to NORAD modernization. That's a significant new investment in new technologies, over the horizon radars, and over the polar radars, and new multi-use infrastructure in the Arctic. Those are technographies. We've got money that we're spending right now on new aircraft, on multi-mission aircraft, and that decision is coming very, very shortly. We're moving forward on that. But I think the greatest challenge that we face right now is people, the men and women of the Canadian Armed Forces. They're the ones that do all the heavy lifting and do all the work and buying the best ship and the best plane, munitions, et cetera, are all very, very important. But I need to be able to recruit and retain the very best people for the Canadian Armed Forces. And right now, like many of the armies right around the world, it's a challenge. We're trying to make sure that our our armed forces are inclusive, and welcoming and supportive of the men and women who serve. We want the very best of people, but that's that's the great challenge right now, is getting the people that we need to do the job, and then my job to make sure that they get the best platforms to work on, the best equipment to use, because we've got, we've got important work to do, and I need those people, and they need the right equipment to get the job done
0: just a bit of our conversation with the Defence Minister Bill Blair at the Halifax International Security Forum. Now, we also touched on several other issues, including women and racialized Canadians in the Armed Forces, not to mention procuring more arms. And you can see our full discussion this weekend here on CPAC on a special edition of Profile as we focus on the Halifax International Security Forum, which also features interviews with the former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak and former Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko. But for now, that is our program for this Monday evening. We'll see you tomorrow as we bring you special coverage of the fall economic update. Until then, have a great night. I'm Michael Serapio. You've been watching Primetime Politics on CPAC. Up next, STVG avec L'Essentiel.